It's Tuesday, January the 5th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist, sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, Britain's strict new lockdowns and Chinese firms delisting reprieve. First, the world in brief. Boris Johnson, Britain's Prime Minister, announced a strict new lockdown for all of England to reduce the spread of COVID-19. From Tuesday, schools will be closed to most students and people required to work from home where possible. A new variant of the coronavirus has led to rising rates of infection, which Mr Johnson said threatened to overwhelm the health service. Scotland introduced a similar lockdown. Meanwhile, Britain started dishing out doses of a vaccine developed by AstraZeneca and Oxford University. The jab is easier to distribute and store than Britain's other authorised vaccine made by Pfizer. This should allow it to be administered by GPs and care homes, which the government hopes will help it roll out vaccinations more rapidly. Democratic members of America's Congress called for an investigation or second impeachment of President Donald Trump after Sunday's leak of a phone call made by Mr. Trump to Brad Raffensperger, Georgia's Secretary of State. The president demanded that Mr. Raffensperger find votes to overturn the state's presidential election result. Mr. Raffensperger refused. Two House Democrats made a criminal referral to the FBI. The New York Stock Exchange scrapped plans announced four days ago to delist China's three largest telecoms firms, China Mobile, China Telecom and China Unicom. It had originally sought to comply with an executive order signed by Donald Trump that bars Americans from investing in companies with Chinese military ties from January 11th. The bourse gave little explanation for its about turn. The share prices of the dual-listed trio rose by over 6% on Hong Kong's exchange. Iran seized a South Korean chemical tanker off the coast of Oman, ostensibly for polluting the Gulf. South Korea has demanded that the crew and vessel be released. Lately, tensions have been rising between Iran and America and its allies. On Monday, Iran resumed enriching uranium to 20% purity in breach of the nuclear deal it signed with world powers in 2015, from which President Donald Trump withdrew America in 2018. A British judge ruled that Julian Assange, the founder of WikiLeaks, should not be extradited to America to face criminal charges because it would put him at risk of suicide. America, which accuses Mr Assange of 18 crimes connected to the release of confidential military records which it claims endangered lives, said it would continue to press for his extradition. And around 230 workers at Google formed a union. The group is affiliated with the Communications Workers of America and wants to influence the tech giant's choice of customers as well as its treatment of employees. In recent years, Google workers have protested over a controversial artificial intelligence contract with the Pentagon and a plan to create a censored search engine in China. And now, here's today's agenda. All eyes on Georgia, the Senate runoff. Today, voters in the American state of Georgia will decide on both their senators. Democrats are hoping to flip both seats from their Republican incumbents, Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue. 
doing so would in effect give Democrats control over the Senate, which would be good news for Mr. Biden's legislative agenda. Early vote numbers suggesting high turnout among African Americans have buoyed Democratic hopes. Ms. Leffler and Mr. Perdue are accordingly arguing that they are the last lines of defense against radicalism and socialism. They must make sure not to antagonize Donald Trump, the outgoing president, whose supporters they rely on. Over the weekend, embarrassing audio emerged of the president putting pressure on the chief elections officer in Georgia to find enough votes to allow him to overturn his defeat in the state in the election in November. He has called the upcoming runoffs illegal and invalid, hardly a stirring cry to turn out on election day. Unhappy Birthday, Kyle Rittenhouse Today, two days after turning 18, Kyle Rittenhouse will be arraigned on charges of killing two people and injuring another in the chaos that engulfed Kenosha, Wisconsin after a black man was shot by police in August. Mr. Rittenhouse has become a cause celebre on the right. Fundraising appeals spread across Twitter, Facebook and alternative platforms such as Telegram and Parley, successfully raising $2 million for his bail. But the more prominent members of his legal team have distanced themselves from the case. One lawyer, John Pierce, stepped back from Mr Rittenhouse's criminal defence after a Kenosha County assistant district attorney argued that money raised might be used to repay Mr Pierce's creditors, while another, L. Lynn Wood, seems increasingly preoccupied with spreading election fraud and QAnon conspiracies. Social media chatter about Mr Rittenhouse peaked in late November, but has since dropped off. Mr. Rittenhouse must have spent his birthday feeling rather alone. New Year's Resolutions, the Gulf Cooperation Council The New Year is always a good time to reach out to estranged relatives. Officials from the six-member Gulf Cooperation Council will gather today in Saudi Arabia for their 41st summit. They're typically dull affairs filled with pap about brotherly relations, but this year may prove more interesting. Attendees will discuss whether to bring a shunned sibling back into the fold. Since June 2017, three members of the GCC, Bahrain, Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates, have imposed an embargo on Qatar. Border and airspace closures turned the peninsula country into an island. The blockading states told Qatar to cut ties with Islamists and shut Al Jazeera, a satellite news channel. It has not complied. But many GCC leaders have tired of the divisive and ineffective embargo. The Saudi king invited Qatar's emir to the summit. There is talk of reopening airspace. At best, though, this will be a partial easing. Real reconciliation will take years. No end in sight, Germany's lockdown. It has become a familiar routine. Today, Chancellor Angela Merkel and the premiers of Germany's 16 states will meet to take stock of the country's current set of coronavirus restrictions, which are due to expire on January 10th. Patchy reporting over Christmas and the new year makes it hard to draw firm conclusions on the recent spread of COVID-19, but caseload and death numbers were breaking records in mid-December. It looks likely that today the leaders will extend Germany's lockdown, which mandates the closure of shops, restaurants, entertainment venues and schools until the end of the month. Previous debates over restrictions have been heated, but this one seems likely to proceed relatively harmoniously. 
Instead, Germans are increasingly exercised about the slow pace of vaccination and the delicate question raised by several politicians of whether the European Commission botched its job of procuring vaccination doses for the EU last summer. Toil and Trouble – Bitcoin's Rally Bitcoin has been on a tear for much of the past 12 months, but its recent ascent has been breakneck. The cryptocurrency is up by more than 50% since the start of December. With every Bitcoin worth about $32,000, its total market capitalization is now greater than the monetary base of Canada. Several big-name investors such as Larry Fink of BlackRock have talked up its prospects in recent months, and famous hedge funds such as Renaissance Capital dabbled in cryptocurrency in 2020. That differentiates today's rally from past periods of Bitcoin mania. But although cryptocurrency may earn a permanent share of some investors' portfolios, it remains highly volatile. Its chances of replacing government money remain slim to none, not least because it is cumbersome and inefficient to use the cryptocurrency for payments. And more competition for all cryptocurrencies is on its way, because many central banks are considering issuing digital money of their own. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Konrad Adenauer, who was born on this day in 1876. I reserve the right to be smarter today than I was yesterday. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.